something he wants to tell all of you all right i'm leaving the film industry <laughs> i've decided to become professional dog walker no i'm afraid of dogs are you really no i'm not no oh, i was gonna say damn dude i'm a professional shoe insert fabricator i care not for shoes just what goes in them i foresee great success for you in the future I hope so. It's a very difficult industry to get rich in. It's very niche. <laughs> right now, it's held by Dr. Schultz. <laughs> he's, he's the king. It's like you thought getting into filmmaking was hard. You have no idea. The foot insert business is killer. <laughs> in my heart, I've got like the foot insert business as the top tier. Yeah. And I'm just struggling with film on the side as a hobby. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's my standard. So when I meet, like, I don't know, I meet, like, Spielberg, I'm like, my God, you're the Dr. Scholes of film. He's like, what? <laughs> I picture your business cards are just mini Dr. Scholes. Like, with squishy and everything. Little shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, not not shoes. Because you're not in the shoe yeah. industry. Right. You're in the insole industry. <laughs> don't tell me what I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally ad-lib, by the way. Before this, we were talking about The Simpsons and uh, John Lovett's character, uh, Artie Ziff, Marge's ex-boyfriend, and the, how at the end of the one episode where they go on the high school date, he has Homer in the snoring mask. Just him going, I am watching you through a camera. And I thought that's what you were going to say when I was like, Latif has something to tell you. No. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that at all. The topic of today's episode which is one we didn't get to last week yeah we didn't we're gonna tag it on to gun talk gun talk i'm legitimately pitching this to my buddies <laughs> when you get back to toronto y'all like guns in the couple of years that i haven't been to toronto i go back now and it's like the south of canada and everyone's like oh man you hear about this guy in his gun podcast <laughs> Toronto just becomes the south of Canada. <laughs> I guess technically it's like southeast. I think we've stumbled on something that we're going to get Epstein for. So what the hell is Saskatchewan? <laughs> Saskatchewan would be like Alabama. Really? I don't know. I don't know geography. That, that seems a little... I lived in Saskatchewan for one year yeah. on military base. Well, well All that, I that's remember. a very specific thing. Oh, yeah, totally. All I remember, and this is true from... Anyone that talks about traveling Canada, the middle of Canada is just flat. Mm. There's nothing there. And I remember all, all I could see was snow, just as far as the eye could see. Mm-hmm. Blank, white snow. It's pretty much my idea of hell. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, well, you have to understand, when I say like Alberta and Texas are similar in a lot of ways... I'm immediately going to the most stereotyped mm-hmm. version of what that is in my head. Absolutely. It's probably so much nuance <laughs> and, and differences between those places in, 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 um, in ways that I probably don't even know. Yeah. And I've never been to Texas, so it's hard for me to yeah, draw right. any conclusions. You know, it's cool, though. We've never been to Texas, but what we don't say won an award in Texas. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. And you know what? I'm just, this just came to me. So the topic for today that we're going to talk about is how much you grow 
as uh, a filmmaker, whether that's writing, directing, editing, cinematography, like whatever. You're going to keep doing these things. You're going to keep getting better. Mm -hmm. And I think what we just talked about there, strangely, is a good example of it. How you said, like, you know, when you think of Alberta and Texas, your mind immediately goes to stereotypes. But then you think about it more and it's like there's more nuance than that. It's not just stereotypes. It's kind of that way. Like, I'm thinking in writing purposes now. Like, when I first started writing, my writing kind of was like that initial thought of Alberta and Texas. It was just like a kind of face value. Oh, yeah, you know, I just wrote about Alberta. No, no. Um, It was kind of just like face value. There wasn't a whole lot of nuance or thought put into it. But once you keep writing more and more, not necessarily that story. I mean, it could be that story, but it'll be others. You just develop a whole other way to look at these things. And that flushes it out more and more and more. And the more you keep going, the better it's going to get. So kind of like when we just ripped on Alberta and Texas a little. And then we thought about it for a minute. We realized there's more to it than that. And we grew. We did. So this episode's been brought to you by Pippa. <laughs> Could you imagine that was the end of it? <laughs> it just, I think the last thing you said, we're like, we grew. And I was like, yeah, we did. <laughs> you just hear like a hug and then it ends. <laughs> you hear a hug. It would be like... That, the mic actually picks something up there. I don't know what that sounded like to you. You got the headphones on. That was a hug. Does it sound like a hug? I think so. Okay. It just sounds like mic. <laughs> Like a mic rubbing against like a shirt. <laughs> um, when you look at the filmmaker you are now, how does that filmmaker compare to the filmmaker you were in your first year? I wouldn't say day one because that's kind of a rip-downing question. Like you don't know anything on day one, but your first take it when you hit day three sixty-five. Right. How does that filmmaker compare to who you are now? The easiest way to look at that, like mm-hmm. from beginning to like where you are now, is the types of stories that you want to tell and how mm-hmm. close you are to accomplishing that it was much more difficult to like do that in the beginning okay. just because like you lack so many skills mm-hmm. you you haven't really figured out how to properly put something together and then now with having done you know a few different projects you're like wow i'm actually getting something that's very close to my original idea like mm-hmm. it's meeting my standards but in the beginning you probably won't meet your own standards you'll yeah. do something and be like this sucks mm. <laughs> this isn't something um that reflects like what i want to do or who i am or my voice and then later on when you actually make something you're proud of you're like oh this is kind of this kind of shows who i am as a filmmaker mm-hmm. and i think in the beginning it's hard to do that because everything you make seems like the worst yeah yeah. yeah, for me that's a good way to kind of check check yeah, yourself that's fair it's nice to get to a point now where I can look at my work at least for the majority of it like especially when you're doing features there's going to be a couple things in there and you're doing features with no one that you're like man I wish I could redo that one little bit it's it's inevitable but coming from the first call it script I wrote or even the first thing like I directed which would be party stories like the leaps forward have been huge yeah. I'd say mostly so in my writing which you know is the foundation of any movie unless you're doing an improvised thing um, when I think about the first script that I wrote I think somewhere within that idea there was something where it's like okay this could be interesting but the way I did it probably wasn't the best (laughs) and 
that I think the reason that now when you know we go out and make what we don't say or when uh, we're working on this new thing that we're hoping to get off the ground why that's so much better is when you put together your first thing that you've directed or first thing that you've written that someone else has directed it's pretty glaringly obvious what doesn't work and that's actually one question I have for you so like I remember the editing of party stories the things that didn't work I couldn't have called them when I was writing it like when I was writing it I was like it feels like all this is gonna work if it didn't then I would have changed it right but once we got into the edit and like there was a bunch of stuff in there that did work but there was also a bunch of stuff that didn't work when you put together your first thing did you have that same sense of like oh you wrote it and you're like I think this is gonna work and then you go out and film it and you're like why isn't this working and you kind of analyze it and realize like okay this isn't working because this part's too long or it's boring or this scene kind of wasn't needed or we needed more plot or we needed less this like what was that experience like for you I remember the first short film I actually shot in film school and uh, did you write it yeah I wrote it too okay and I think it was the actual the disappointment came more from the actual logistics of of how everything comes together because okay. in film school for the first project we work on um, you know you work with like groups of five and then everyone does a different position and everyone gets to switch and direct once yeah. so when I made my film I got close to what I was going for but mm. there are things of um, that I couldn't control that completely like made it go in a different direction like what kind of stuff? Well, actors, for for one, um, mm-hmm. you don't get to choose actors. You don't get to cast. Um, they just send you guys from the acting campus. <laughs> and you just have to, like, look at them and be like, okay, I guess I'll have to, like, figure out who can go in what role. Because you have to write the script before you get the actors. I was going to say, does it get to a point where you're like, okay, six foot nine Russian man, you are Julie. <laughs> <laughs> no, not like that. Like, they, they try to give you... A little help and like they'll match gender to what you've written okay. and stuff um, but race is not something you can pick mm-hmm. you know you have to become a little flexible mm. and I think like not having control in certain parts of the process taught me that I need to have control okay that's <laughs> later on I, yeah. I can't like let things just be the choice or have someone else choose for me mm-hmm. um, especially when you're forced to not have a choice about things yeah you really learn how important it is. Mm-hmm. So I got these two white guys yeah. that were like in their 20s. And then my characters were like, supposed to be like indigenous people <laughs> to like a forest. Yeah. So they look nothing like that. <laughs> it just looked like these two white guys were like camping. <laughs> um, like really poorly. Yeah. Because um, it, uh. in my head, it's like these these people who live in a forest and they mm. kind of like, make their day-to-day life collecting food and water and Mm -hmm. just kind of like living in this habitat and then i get these white guys and they're just like camping but they don't do it well they look weird um and it's like what is this movie about like why don't these guys just go to the mall or something and this is a total assumption but i'm just gonna guess that they're not the strongest actors in the world uh no they they you know they tried their best they weren't not they weren't like awful actors mm-hmm. I, I had no uh, dialogue in this uh, film oh, so you're asking a lot of them uh, well no I think that helped okay um, because they just have to like 
show how they feel and stuff through their mm-hmm. actions and everything. And I think if you hear them talk, it would have been like, okay, <laughs> I can't, I can't. Because, um, you know, for me, like, the people I'd written had no language. Mm-hmm. So it was all through their actions and okay. stuff. Uh, I, I have the film. I think I should show it to you after. Yeah, it's, great. It's really funny. But there's things about it that I was really happy with. You know, okay. I got some shots and I, f- I picked all the locations and... Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things that I was like, oh, I'm really happy about this, and I was proud of this. Mm. And there's other things where I was like, that didn't work. That was kind of lame. If you could pick one thing that you were the happiest with, with it, what would it have been? I think it was just uh, maybe the uh, the through line, like the vision of mm. it. Uh, I think one of my instructors, he was looking at it. He's like, you know, this needs some work and stuff. But, mm. you know, there's some shots here that look like they could just... they could be from like a tv show or something you know it looks good for um you know a first Mm. term and did you shoot it uh no no i was the director on it okay so Um, they won't let you do all all of it no you have to pick the thing you do Uh, i I was very proud of it because you know i i designed how everything was supposed to kind of be in pre-production and stuff uh but yeah you know a couple shots looked really nice and it felt like there was a a person behind the story like someone decided to make this yeah um whereas like some of my classmates their films were like there's no voice it was very generic you couldn't really tell like what the heck it was supposed to do Mm -hmm. um even if the story was clear yeah um so I i was proud of it um and i think that was this like Yes, it's not great, and there's mistakes, but mm. you can see like it's the beginning of like this could be something, mm. and then six years later you make another thing, and you're like, now I can do all the things that I could see that I was yeah. lacking in the beginning. Were there a couple? So for party stories, one of the biggest things that I think I learned, and it's something that I actually put into the micro budget talk I do now at festivals, mm. is trimming dialogue because. We, like, for what ended up being a 60-minute film, I think you and I cut 12 minutes of dialogue. Just so straight from, Yeah, 72 minutes to 60, and just cut dialogue. And I remember writing Party Stories, and it's, like, if you watch Party Stories, I think it's very, very clear that we were just going for a Richard Linklater type thing. <laughs> like, yeah, simple. We didn't try and hide it whatsoever, and I'm not ashamed of that by any means. But in thinking, like, very Richard Linklater, when I was writing a script, I thought, okay, how... His style is very natural, like, supernatural. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of, like, elevated anything to it. So when I'm writing, I'm like, I want the dialogue to seem just like regular conversation. And what I think I've realized is that's a mistake, because if you take word for word the conversation that you have in those instances and just film it again... You'd be like, I should cut 60% of this out. Because people do a lot of mumbling that kind of go nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And when we got into the edit of Party Stories, I remember watching some scenes and being like, how is this six minutes long? Why hasn't he stopped talking yet? <laughs> and we ended up chopping around a lot of that. So when it came to what we don't say, I feel like that... And maybe that's just part of learning my voice like you were talking about like you learn your voice and you learn how to execute that whereas like I can't write dialogue in that crazy naturalized way even though I feel what we don't say is a very natural movie the dialogue is much more condensed than party stories so one of the biggest things I learned is trimming down and cutting off the fat and if something isn't totally needed take it out and see like is this needed if it's not 
throw it away. Mm-hmm. Um, when you made your first short, um, what was that called, by the way? New Water. Okay, when you made New Water. Um, did you get into the edit or in lock picture when it's finished and think, here's something that went wrong that I could have controlled and it's something that you brought forward to your the next movies you've made? Yeah, I think it was just making sure the story was tight. Okay. Because there's one part of the story that didn't quite make sense. You know, one of my writing instructors told me, like, you know, that one thing there, this moment, it doesn't really make any sense. Can you describe it now, or would it just make no sense to describe? uh, Yeah, I can describe it. It was a character. He had, like, a photo of someone, Mm -hmm. and he was looking at the photo because that person wasn't there, and they felt connected to them. And I should have cut that out of the script like there would be no photos kind of thing yeah just like get, yeah. get rid of it because it's kind of like the sentimental thing trying to show that he he is l- lonely in a way and, and mm. misses like a connection with a person yeah and then later on he meets someone else and that person and him connect but not mm. in the way you'd expect it to okay it, it wasn't really necessary and then I kept it in the film and in the edit I was like yeah I probably should have taken that out mm-hmm. so the next term we, we make another short film and I just made sure the script was very uh, clear. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't anything unnecessary. It was all about just getting the point of what, what was supposed to happen across without any details that felt like it was like supposed to be emotional or mm-hmm. any superfluous like stuff that was like supposed to make you feel something. I was like, get rid of that. And I think I've kept that in my filmmaking from that moment mm. like I don't add things that are meant to be like emotional for the need of like making like a moment mm-hmm. so that that was kind of a, a lesson for me okay with your newest short if we were to reverse engineer this mm-hmm. can you pick apart that short and say like oh I can tell this aspect of it came from when <clears throat> that one scene in one of my shorts didn't work and I learned this lesson or when I did something in this short that really, really worked and I realized, hey, this is great, I should do more of these in the future. Like, if you were to reverse engineer your newest movie and pick it apart, could you tell where the the goodness of it came from? I think it's paying attention to detail. Hmm. Because even in the beginning, I really, I really engineered every part of it. Hmm. Um, to kind of a crazy extent, like when I even when I made the first short film, mm-hmm. it was what stayed the same from that to like Crazy Free, which I just made recently. In the first film, I would pick all the props mm-hmm. that I wanted, and I would like find them and collect them and get all the tools and get all the costumes mm-hmm. and like look at every single thing that I wanted in the film, and then I would uh, make sure it was there on set. I would talk to the actors about their clothing scout my locations like five six times mm. by myself and look at like where do I want to shoot I never left anything to chance and then the same thing was crazy for you mm-hmm. I looked at all the props I got all the clothing looked at all the locations I talked to all the actors about what they needed to the same uh, kind of excruciating detail that mm-hmm. I did the first time and I think I've maintained that through um, everything I've made and I think it's just that kind of attention to detail that really makes something work for me was there something like how did you learn the structure that you use now because I feel like structure is something that we keep 
building, whether it's script you mean like script. in writing? Yeah, and, and like how to structure a movie. So whether that's, you know, draft to draft or in your final edit or whatnot, I feel like structure is something we keep learning all the time. And I'm sure you could look at your first script and your newest script and your first movie and your newest movie and say, like, I can tell where the structure and how I put things together came from. Even from the beginning, I didn't really like to write a lot of action mm-hmm. um, in chunks. It would be very broken down. And then, even with dialogue, it was very minimal, even in the beginning. And I still write very minimal dialogue. Mm-hmm. I try not to write too much if it's not needed. And I think it's just something something with me. Like I, I find it more... Uh, I like. I guess I just like for things to get to the point as quick as possible without dragging on unnecessarily. And if I do write longer dialogue, it will be uh, a moment that feels like it really deserves it, I guess. So even in the beginning, if you look at everything I've written, all the dialogue is very short and to the point. Mm-hmm. And it, even now, it's not changed so much. Because like the script for Crazy For You, all the scenes where people are talking, it's very short and to the point. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just something I've always maintained from the beginning. It was uh, ironic because we, like, we have different writing styles, and that when mm. I started, I wrote as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and you're talking about how you did the opposite, where you wrote like very lengthy, kind of um, naturalistic talking, mm. and then we've both kind of moved into uh, like cutting a, down. Yeah. 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 Honestly, like it, in terms of writing, and especially if someone else to ask me, hey man, what do you think you should do to write good dialogue? Be like, cut half of it out. <laughs> Trust me on this one. <laughs> you don't need it. <laughs> the less of it there is, the less chance of it being bad. Yeah, totally. And like where you said, you like to get to the point as quick as possible. That's one thing that like I've been thinking about quite a bit, uh, especially as I'm writing the new one that we're trying to get off the ground there. Um, in that one, there's the main character is very guarded and like she won't talk about herself ever (laughs) ever so it can i think it's in a sense we never get to the point but that's the point and it that it's very abstract to describe in that one sentence kind of way when you read the script it's a lot more apparent um but i think it's really that's a great piece of advice like try and get to your point as quick as possible and when i when i say like i like to make sure things get to the point and get things across as quick as I can. Mm. I, I hope like people take that with a grain of salt because I'm still you know, putting my voice and my style into how I write these things because it's not as simple as like, man walks into the house and he sits across from other man. How are you doing? I am good. Should we go kill the man? We should. And then they leave. Yeah. <laughs> it, sure like it isn't like that. <laughs> A picture like a relationship you think like man enters sits across from woman i am mad at you okay let's talk about it here's why i am i i am upset okay thank you for sharing me i will do better thank you and see <laughs> that <laughs> not is, that i'm like oh my god say that again let me write it down <laughs> um. so yeah like if you're listening to this and you've written your first couple things and they're not great or you made a short and it's not really working whatever it is don't beat yourself up because you can keep refining, refining, and making new things, and it's going to get better. Yeah. But I, I do want to qualify that by saying you have to work at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to get better through not trying. Yeah. There's, there's got to be, like, small chunks of 
um, work that you kind of chip away at to, to show progress. I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you started doing this in like 2012 and it's 2009, almost 20 now. It might be 2020 when this comes out. And, and, you're just, and you've just been kind of like thinking. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with thinking, but you have to like do stuff. Yeah, it's practice makes perfect, not pondering makes perfect. Yeah, so I, I, I think uh, from when I started, which, which would be like 2013, mm. uh, kind of same time for you-ish, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. To now, it's been about seven, six years. Six, seven, yeah, something like that. Um, and in that time, there's been a lot of progress, mm-hmm. but it's been a lot of really, really just kind of banging your head against the wall. Yeah working as much as possible yeah yeah so that's kind of the the lesson is like it's not gonna it's not gonna just happen and and you know you're just i'm getting better but you're not doing anything yeah you've really gotta like put effort into like every part of it Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i mean even from a writing standpoint like i would say i've been doing this seriously for like five six years and my first script was terrible as many are as the vast vast majority are but the reason that they've gotten better is i've kept writing a lot we've made things which is actually a huge help like i would say going out and making something is you're gonna get more progress out of that than writing five scripts like that's just maybe it's the way my brain is wired but no i i i think there's a lot to that i think learning how it gets put together you need to know the process Mm -hmm. so even if you're just a writer and you find some director and you're like hey can you, you want to make my short film you're going to get so much out of that experience yeah. because you get to see how it actually comes together yeah. and make it for nothing too don't spend your life savings on it it's a huge mistake don't do that yeah um, but yeah where I was going with that it's like I've worked at it hard and if you look at I'm going to count drafts here so this number that I'm about to say and this is a writing thing the number I'm about to say isn't amount of full scripts it's the amount of drafts of things I've done I've probably done like eight shorts and probably pushing like 20 drafts of features. So it's not like, like Latif said, it's not like six years ago I wrote one short. I did a rewrite three years later and I've been thinking about it since, you know, and I'm sure it's the same for you, like constantly working at it, um, constantly editing more and more things and learning more techniques. And that's what's going to get you there. It's a day-to-day thing. I think you have to take it every, every day as as it comes and not be too focused on like what's going to happen 10 years from now because that's useless I also think it's kind of a mistake to wait for call it like the perfect opportunity to make something like if you're you have a script you're like I need a million dollars to make this and I'm not going to do anything until I get that million don't do that write something else go make it for zero dollars it's going to be terrible then go make something else for five dollars yeah that would be a little less bad and then just keep going yeah I'm always excited for like when I'm just about to finish a script mm-hmm. because once I'm done that I know like in a short time I'm gonna have to rewrite it yeah and there's something about rewriting something that really gets me excited because like, I agree all the work is done mm-hmm. uh, you know like if the first draft makes you feel kind of happy like okay you know I kind of like this I know there's stuff mm-hmm. to be worked on I think you can really do something good yeah um, because <clears throat> now you have like the blueprint to to continue to build on top of mm-hmm. it and there's something about like the idea of rewriting you know if you rewrite like a screenplay 
five, six times, it's mm. going to get pretty good. Yeah, totally. e- even if it, Even if you're not the strongest writer, mm. it will get to a point where it's kind of impressive. Yeah. Because it's just about revisions, you know? Yeah, and that's one thing that I would tell people don't be afraid of either. You know what I did the other day, actually? I was looking at the first outline that you and I did for what we don't say, mm-hmm. which was called Popsicle at the time. Yeah. Uh, we had a bunch of note cards. So I guess technically it was an outline, but... And I'd be curious if you could guess this. How much of that original outline do you think is in the finished movie? Percentage-wise. Do you mean, um, like, out of the scenes? Like, how many... Kind yeah, of like, of that initial movie? outline, percentage-wise, how much is still in there versus how much did we Change. lose during rewrites or cut during editing? Hmm. 25 30%. Huh? Yeah, it's 30%. Yeah. Yeah, so we ditched 70% of the movie and and changed it and kept changing it <laughs> yeah yeah a lot changes in rewrites yeah. so and that's uh, a great thing though don't be afraid of that for sure the 70% we cut was the weakest 70% and then we put stronger stuff in there and then we did that every draft until it got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger yeah and that's what you want I, I think uh, one the one thing I know for me is mm. when I write something I try to not I try to like I it's as close as I want it to be for the mm. film itself. Yep. But there are like maybe a few scenes that I'll remove. Mm-hmm. But if you read the script and then watch one of the films, it would be pretty um, close to what it is. Like read the first draft? Um, no, like, like the, the, shooting, the draft. shooting draft. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, even like structure-wise and like timeline-wise, mm-hmm. I don't like do too much like jumping around. Yeah. So if you read like, you know, the script for Crazy for You and watch the mm. film, it would be pretty much as it reads yeah. except for maybe a couple scenes which I took up yeah. but for other people when they do editing and posts and stuff it changes so much Yeah. so I think that's another thing to keep in mind that you know if you really get the writing to where you want mm-hmm. but you're also someone who likes to experiment with like structure and editing yeah. it's going to become something completely different as well Yeah. and I know for a lot of filmmakers they really find what they do in editing really? yeah like they really mm-hmm create the thing in post so you, they just shoot as much stuff as possible no, no they, they shoot the script as it should be oh but, yeah, yeah but when, once it gets to post it just really it really goes in a different direction that they probably wouldn't have even guessed to so mm-hmm. um, that's something to, to keep in mind yeah well like really really famously for that I'm embarrassed to say I haven't seen this movie I just know the story of this uh, Annie Hall the Woody Allen movie yeah uh, you know the story of this yeah yeah, so like it was shot as a completely different movie, and Annie Hall was a secondary character. Editor got his hand on it, and he's like, this movie sucks, but Annie Hall is great. So they reworked the entire thing around her, and then it won Best Picture. You know? Is that true? Yeah, it is true. <laughs> i have to look into that. Cause yeah, I, man. Well, because I, I just know Woody Allen is very... He's very hands-on with his stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's... I know he doesn't really like Annie Hall. Really? Yeah. Why? Again, uh, I haven't seen it. I don't think it turned out exactly how he wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a fine movie, but it's not a you know it's not what I wanted. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's too happy, uh, but you know it's just it's Woody Allen's, like, he, well he's a prolific filmmaker. He's made like oh yeah. Of, Seven hundred movies. Yeah, and he writes all of them and directs all of them and acts in a bunch of them. But yeah. the thing about him is, like, he's one of those guys where he just keeps going. Like he he was made to do that. Yeah, he's a natural writer. <laughs> yeah. So 
But I think uh, if you if you asked him, he wouldn't be like, "Oh, I'm a great writer." He'd be like, "Oh God, <laughs> you know, it's so hard to to sit down and, but you just gotta do it." Yeah. So even even someone like that's still scratching their yeah. head about it. So absolutely, just keep going. Keep going, man. Yeah. Well, I think it's a pretty good place to end it. I think so. Since Latif and I have been binge recording episodes, yeah, you're probably getting tired of hearing this, but I still don't know. I know who wants Hippa. Yeah, I, I googled it. Is it Rippa? No. <laughs> I went to Pippa okay. to see if like I would find something. And, and? Their, their site's like, just got a message, like, we've been taken over by Acast. That's what it is. And I went to the site, and Acast is now the company that okay. sponsors us. Does Acast look awesome? It looks cool. Okay. Does yeah. it look better than Pippa? It does. Okay. Pippa kind of looked like David's tea on the web. It did, yeah. It's kind of like this teal thing mm-hmm. but Acast looks a little more uh, futury cool so well I for one welcome our supreme leaders Acast <laughs> one of us one of us <laughs> right well we're brought to you by Acast I don't know the website because Latif looked it up and I haven't seen it yet but mm. it's a pretty easy name google it I'm yeah. sure they're awesome supreme leader will be pleased <laughs> business daddy <laughs> All right, see you guys next week.